to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. If you haven't heard, I am so excited to announce that next month I'm launching a live, free, virtual mental health summit. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're going to celebrate with a mental health summit bringing you guests from my podcast over the years, all on one day, just for you. So save the date, mark your calendar, reserve early because seats are limited, Saturday, May 14th, and click the link below to register. You don't want to miss this amazing event. Here is a sneak peek. Are you ready at what we're going to be covering? First, you're going to start your day with a guided meditation with picture book author, William Meyer. He's written two picture books for kids that are visual guided meditations, and I actually am using them right now weekly in my mindfulness lessons with kids. Then, learn how to see your doctor once a year and heal your body every night with neurologist Dr. Stasha Gomanek. I interviewed Dr. Gomanek on this podcast 11 months ago, and that video has over 6,000 views on YouTube. You have got to show up and find out what she has to say. She handles every known ailment out there known and has a way and a plan through balancing your vitamin Ds and sleep, getting to your REM sleep. This you do not want to miss. So again, you can join us for one or all sessions and it's free. You can log in on your headphones while you're shopping, while you're cooking, (laughs) wherever you are, you can tune in and listen. Then you're going to learn how to overcome anxiety with Laurie Singer's new book, You're Not Crazy, Living with Anxiety. Laurie has a ton of tools for parents, for educators, for your kids. I mean, she is just an endless source of a resource. I cannot wait for you to hear her speak. Then we have Rick Capriola, who is on this podcast you're about to listen to right now. He's going to talk about social media, teens, mental health, substance abuse, what every parent needs to know. Listen, parents, it is not a matter of if your child will be exposed to a substance abuse. It is only a matter of when. And in that moment, will you know what questions to ask, the signs to look for, what steps to take next, to get your kids evaluated. Rick walks us through that step-by-step and he has a new book that has it all in there as well. This one, I'm telling you, each one you really don't want to miss, uh, but just pick a topic that interests you or share this with someone you know who's got a child going through something similar that just needs help today. You're going to also walk away with mental health tips from Vincent Lancey, a traumatic brain injury survivor that will be here to share his story. And I'm telling you, it will inspire you. You will walk away with tips and tools to start using today to help your mental health and to help your kids with practices. So save the date. It's going to be worth it. I cannot wait to see you there. Saturday, May 14th. Click the link below, register today, get your seat, get in and show up for whatever you can. I hope to see you there. Richard Capriola, has been a mental health and addictions counselor for over two decades. In 2020, he published a book for parents called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse 
and a workbook. And today I have Rick back on my podcast um, to talk about the pandemic and its impact on teens and their mental health. Rick, welcome back to Momnipocent. Thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure to be with you to, uh, to talk again about this important topic. And uh, hopefully uh, we can give some good information to everyone who listens. So thank you so much for inviting me back. Yeah, I really appreciate it because I've gotten many questions about the mental health needs of kids and teens. How has the pandemic impacted it? What's changed over time? How has technology changed for kids, you know, and their mental health over the years? And uh, so again, I just want to thank you for taking the time to join me again. Um, because like I said, this topic is just a huge concern across edu education fields as well as in parents, home, families, even grandparents who see their grandkids going through it. Uh, so, so I found this recent uh, report, according to Baylor College of Medicine, an article last November that stated, the pandemic uniquely impacted adolescents, social isolation, constant uncertainty, stress, and fear have plagued their lives. Well, all of our lives, really. And according to the CDC, this was this was just an incredible statistic. Teenage emergency room visits for suicide attempts increased significantly during the pandemic with a 50% rise in cases in females and almost a 4% in males. So I know that you've noticed that teen um, substance abuse and mental health often go hand in hand. Why is that? What do you think? What do you have to share about this statistic? And, and maybe just to start us off on what you're thinking parents can do. Yeah, I think uh, I think this issue of teenagers and mental health, uh, even before the pandemic, uh, we had noticed that it was increasing at an alarming rate. Uh, for example, from the period of around 2009 to 2019, before the pandemic, we had already seen a, about a 40% increase in high school students reporting feelings of, of hopelessness, depression, sadness. And we'd seen a, about over a 30% increase in teenagers seriously considering suicide. This was all before the pandemic. Um, and then during the pandemic, you know, kids were pulled away from their academic classrooms. They were pulled away from um, their extracurricular activities. They saw their families go through uh, all of the pandemic effects of, of fear and, and, and anxiety. And all of this affected, affected them as well. Uh, kids were removed from basically their normal classroom life. Uh, and their interactions with peers was pretty much uh, curtailed to online social media connections. So since the pandemic, uh, what we've noticed uh, is increases in depression among teenagers, increases in anxiety, um, and, 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 and they, they tended to double during the pandemic. In early 21, I think it was, emergency room visits uh, for suspected suicide increased by over 50% among girls, a little bit less for boys, but among girls. 
And in, in grades 8, 10, and 12, across the board, we saw increases in, in mental health issues for these young men and women. They were, poor, they were reporting symptoms that included anxiety, feeling anger, angry, feeling annoyed. Uh, they, they would report feeling bored and sad and lonely. Many, many reported feeling very worried about either themselves or their families. And some reported having sleep problems. So across the board, uh, we, we saw a tremendous impact during the pandemic. Now that we've started to come out of the pandemic, I think things hopefully are getting better. Uh, but for some kids, they're struggling with getting back into the regular classroom routine too. And that's something that parents and teachers need to be aware of, that some of these children might have some difficulty reintegrating back into the traditional classroom setting. Yeah. And that's uh, that's kind of the things that that I've been also seeing as well. And um, some of the kids surprisingly did well during remote and some kids surprisingly did did like some of the kids who were in who are are in person kids pre pandemic struggled (laughs) and actually on Zoom performed better. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like like for some it, it, it. some aspects of it like were good for them on 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 the zoom and then others just fell apart were like this is never for me i cannot learn this way but it was fascinating to watch um the the small percent that actually kind of did well on zoom that 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 really like i said struggled struggled in person so that was just very you know interesting to watch and observe but so pre-pandemic you were seeing an alarming increase in teen mental health issues what were you seeing and 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 what can help well what we were seeing was um you know a lot of feelings of of hopelessness and helplessness and increase in in some teens considering suicide um, so in general the mental health uh, issue pre-pandemic was a very alarming. Uh, you know, I would say it was almost like a crisis that was starting to develop among the teenage population all before the pandemic. Then we had the pandemic come and it sort of just exploded the whole, the whole situation. Um, and I think that, you know, parents and families need to be aware of what's going on with the mental health of their children. They need to stay in touch with that just as much as they need to do with staying on top of substance abuse, alcohol and drugs. Um, So if we combine alcohol, drugs and mental health, I think that can be a real challenge for some parents to keep on top of it uh, and and to be aware of of what's going on and to check in with their kids about what's going on. And what if they um, like think their child's mental health is fine, but then something happens and they're like, Oh, out of nowhere, they're like, wait, something is wrong. Like, what would you say to parents who don't don't see any problems with their child's mental health? But what's something they could do? Like, what do you mean when you you say check in? Like, what, what's something a parent could be doing? Well, I think there's several things that, that, that families can do. Uh, first of all, um, be a good role model in terms of taking care of yourself, taking care of your own mental health and your own physical health. Help your child, help children develop a strong, safe, and stable relationship. You know, research shows that the most important thing a child needs is a stable, committed relationship with a supportive adult. So parents, do what you can to help develop that stable, nurturing relationship. 
Encourage your children to build healthy social relationships with their peers and teach them what a, a healthy social relationship involves. And be attentive to how your child is spending their time, especially their free time. On my uh, book's website, uh, I have a blog article that is, uh, I think it's titled 10 Questions for Teen Mental Health Check-In. Um, it's an article that uh, was written by the staff of um, Newport Academy, which is a very excellent um, teen adult treatment center. Um, um, and, and it just lists 10 simple questions that you can check in with your child with. And, te and teachers can use this too. Um, for example, one of the questions is, what three words, what three words best describe how you're feeling now? So just give me three words. Another one is um, on a scale of one to 10, you know, from negative to positive, what number describes your state of mind? Um, and then a third one is, if your feelings were weather, what kind of day would it be outside? <laughs> so these are very simple, you know, if you tell me how you're feeling, basically type of questions. So there's 10 of them. Um, and I would encourage uh, teachers and parents to go to the book's website, read the blog article on questions to ask as a mental health check-in, um, and just maybe uh, use some of those questions every once in a while to check in with your child's mental health and allow that child to give you some feedback on how, the, on how they're feeling. That's, that's really important. That is, I, I like that weather one. And, and, you know, it reminds me, um, I remember hearing a teacher say that she was starting her day asking the kids, like checking in on them, like, how are you feeling today? You know, um, more like kind of like, how are you feeling? And, and because she just opened that up to them, she was surprised what kids were offering up. And some of them were honest, like, I'm just not having such a great morning, or I've had a, have had a difficult time between yesterday and today or something like that and some of them were fine and some of them were like no everything's going great and 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 she and she started implementing that into her morning routine That's just good. to get a gauge and 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 they were really being being open with her and she was she was like wow you know these some of these kids are just having a rough morning or or i had a bad day or i didn't sleep well or you know i'm just tired like just knowing that and then you're going throughout your day with that understanding of what the kids in front of you are coming to the table with because they can look one way uh and but inside even as adults you have no idea what's going on uh behind you know really inside and, and a lot of us put up a front to just do what we're supposed to do or or show up and be um, and so I love those questions. And yes, I'm yeah, I would, you know, I would say, you know, as a teacher, you know, read those 10 questions, maybe pick out one a day that you want to use. Or if you find one that really it, it works really well with your kids, uh, use that. But there's 10 of them. So it's almost like, OK, pick one that you're going to use today. Uh, maybe on another day, you'll pick another one. And then just like you were saying, you know, ask your class, ask them to check in, uh, throw out one of those questions, you know, and, and, and give the child an opportunity to give you some feedback. And you might be surprised uh, uh, the more you do it, the more you're likely to get a child that comes out and, and gives you some really good information.
Yeah, and I love how it just sets the stage for kids to know that it's okay. Well, actually, some of them who might not think it's okay to really share how they feel, when they hear another kid really share something difficult or that things aren't as like rosy and perfect, it might help them give themselves the permission to say the next day, yeah, I, you know, either, you know, I'm hungry, I didn't get to eat breakfast this morning. Sometimes those simple things can just put a kid in a bad mood and it looks like one thing and really they just need a snack. Uh, and, and it makes me think of how maybe parents listening, when your child gets in the car in the afternoon, you know, uh, if you described your day or how you're feeling right now from your day with the weather, what day would it be? What day would it look like? Just a different way to like switch it up and, and get in tune with what they're feel, thinking and feeling. And, and I think that's huge how you were saying like parents, you're the model for your kid. And as you take care of yourself or vice versa, if, if, if you're not stopping to check in when you need a mental health break, actually, um, you know, we get tense, we get our, our voices could get louder than we would want them to. We, we get annoyed easily, just like kids do. But if, if your child sees that you're taking a moment or you're taking a breath or you're, um, taking time for yourself, then you're right. They're, they're going to learn it from you. And that's so powerful because parents are your kids first people that they learn from. They're learning those, those things from you. So that's so important. I, I love how you shared that. And when you, and when you get feedback from your child, uh, whether you're a parent or you're a teacher, uh, it gives you an opportunity to, uh, to, to reflect back to them, maybe examples of how you've also felt that way you know, or how, all, how, how sometimes you've had a bad day. So they begin to see that the way that they're feeling um, is, is not unusual. It's okay, you know, because, because other people have the same experiences. And, and, and that helps them to accept the feelings that, that they're having rather than to be ashamed of them or to keep them inside. So the more we can do to encourage children to, to, to talk about what they're going through, to talk about what they're feeling, and, and, and to do it in a very simple way by asking these questions that give them an opportunity to give us some information, I think, I think helps us to, to helps that child to understand that there's somebody there that cares, there's somebody there that listens, and what they're going through, um, other people have shared the same experiences with. That's so good. That's so good. And then it reminds me of a question maybe you can help me with. I know I've heard parents say, well, you know, I, maybe if the parent's going through a rough time or maybe they lost someone, like maybe there was a death in the family or something like that, and they're having a hard time, you know, they're grieving. But but I hear sometimes, you know, parents are like, but I don't want I don't want my kid to see me crying. I don't I don't want them to to see me, you know, in that state. So I try to like, you know, put it, pull it together and, and, or do it on, on the side where they're not seeing me. Like, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. I think that's a fairly common reaction. You know, uh, we, we don't want to frighten our children. We don't want to scare them. Um, but, but being vulnerable can be powerful too. And, and, and kids need to know that, um, it's okay to have the feelings that they're having, and it's okay to share those feelings with somebody that they feel they can trust. So I think when a, a, a child expresses to you that they're having this feeling, whatever it is, it's okay to share with them times when you've had those same feelings so that they begin to see that this is, this is okay. You know, mom, dad, you know, teacher, whomever it is, has also had days when 
things haven't been going well. They've also had days when they've, they, they have felt sad um, and they begin to see that, you know, these are not feelings that necessarily need to be buried, that they're feelings that can be shared and talked about, that they're normal feelings that everyone has. So we, we, can, we can appropriately share with kids experiences that we have had that they can relate to. And I think that can be powerful. We have to do it appropriately and we have to do it in a way that um, helps the child understand that it's okay. It's okay to talk about how you're feeling. Yeah, I think that's so good because they, like us, see so many things so perfect around us. And, uh, you know, not everybody's walking around with their, you know, their feelings on their sleeve. And so I think it gets that feeling of like, oh, I don't know if I, I can say that or I don't know that it's okay that, I'm, that I feel this way or that I think that way. Or, or they might think like I shouldn't think that way or that's bad or wrong, you know, if I feel that way or I think that way. They don't um, see anybody else feeling the way they feel. So they, so they begin to think, am, am I the only one who feels this way? Right. When in and fact, you, probably many people around them are feeling the same way, but don't want to talk about it either. It's so true. It's so true. And then they hide it and then they're embarrassed by it. Or then they feel so isolated and lonely because they feel like they're the only one with it, which on the opposite side, there are so many others who have felt that way and and um, yes, it's okay. Like we have those feelings and then now what we can do to help support one another. I think that um, gives teachers a powerful vehicle to, to bring that very issue to the forefront because they're in a classroom, they're with other kids. They have an opportunity to help children see that the feelings and the emotions that they're having are shared by other children as well. So when you ask a question like, you know, um, if, if, if your feelings were weather, what would it be? You know, what three words best describe how you're feeling right now? You, you can ask other kids to share the same thing. And pretty soon you're going to find out that some of these kids share the same feeling. Some of these kids see the weather the same way that I do. Some of these kids see, you know, they, they describe how they're feeling, uh, maybe not in the same words, but they're expressing the same feeling that I do. So in the classroom, they begin to see, hey, there's other kids that feel the same way that I do. And then you can get a discussion going on like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's 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 a really important piece. Uh, so here's a question that came in and from someone. Um, so they are a grandparent and their grandchild they just learned is in their second year of college and um, got a call from the actually the doctors called the sister saying that that her brother had tried to take his life and he was at this incredible, awesome college and, and getting good grades. Like they all thought he was doing well, like no one had any inkling or a sign that that he wasn't happy where he was at. And um, what would you say to that grandparent who, who just was reaching out to me recently? Well, I would say that things are not always as rosy as they appear to be, you know, and um, I can imagine that a lot of a lot of young men and women are under a lot of pressure in these colleges and universities to perform well, either expectations that they place on themselves, expectations that they see from other college kids, uh, expectations that they that they see from their family. And many times they keep all of that pressure inside. They don't talk about it. They struggle with it. They're in a lot of pain because of it. And it, and it goes you know, underneath the surface and we don't see it. Um, and, and I think 
when that happens, whether it's on a suicide attempt or suicidal ideation, people talking about wanting to harm themselves or commit suicide, I think that family members need to um, get support for themselves. Uh, you know, the number one thing that I would recommend is, um, first of all, take care of the immediate crisis. You know, if you have a person who is threatening suicide or threat, threatening to harm themselves, they need to they need to get help immediately. Um, but beyond that, I would say as as the loved one of, of that person, a parent, a grandparent, it's so important that uh, that you get support for yourself. And I would say the same for parents who are struggling with a teenager or, or, or even an adult who uh, is using substances. It's, it's, it's so important that they get help for themselves. Sometimes, you know, we put a lot of focus on the person who's using the drugs or, or is having a mental health crisis, and, and that's appropriate, we should. But in doing so, we often neglect the fact that the, that the loved one, the parent, uh, the grandparent is going through a crisis too, and they need support. So my recommendation is if you're a grandparent, if you're a parent and you're struggling with a loved one who has a mental health issue, has, 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 has had a suicide attempt, is using alcohol, alcohol or drugs, um, you need to build a support system around yourself. You need to, you know, you, you need to have a support system because this is going to be a rather long journey and you're going to need help and support for yourself. So it's critical that you build that support system around yourself in whatever way you can. Thank you for that. And, and here's another uh, question that came in was, um, if, if a parent gets, uh, finds out that their child maybe was searching something online like ways to die or how to kill myself and 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 now that parent you know uh, had no idea and ha does can't even figure out where that would have would have come from and and that's hard to move on from and how do you not second guess or or, or kind of want to watch your child like 24 7 just in case they, they they did or tried or did anything like what, what would you say to that parent i would say that that's a very frightening uh, time for that parent, um, uh, because now you know your child is is doing some research on this issue, and 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 and, and it's a very scary proposition. I would say that you would probably want to uh, get a good assessment for that child to see what's going on, uh, get a psychological assessment, get a mental health assessment, uh, because this is pretty serious. Uh, you don't want to take this for granted. So uh, the worst thing you can do is, is to ignore it. Um, you know, I would have a, a conversation with the child uh, just to see if I can find out, well, why, why are you doing that? But regardless of that conversation, I, I would insist that the child um, be, uh, be given a, a good psychological assessment by a professional so that I can get some more information, um, you know, from a professional as to how serious this is this, what do we need to do, uh, what's going on. And, and what do you do with a, with a child or a teen who, who's kind of quiet and doesn't really give you much information, no matter what you say or how you say it or how you question her, and, and you're just like, they're so quiet or they don't open up how they feel emotionally? Uh, any thoughts on that for a parent? I would turn that over to the professionals. 
Um, you know, uh, sometimes a child is very reluctant to open up to their parents uh, for, for, for many different reasons. Um, but, but I would turn that over to a professional who has probably uh, dealt with kids uh, in the past that have been reluctant to open up. It may take a little bit of time, but this is something that you really want to get advice from professionals about. Maybe you want to start by talking to the uh, to the school officials, to the to the classroom teacher, maybe the school social worker, the school psychologist, um, and, and get their input and their suggestions. Um, but just because a child isn't sharing the information to, to you directly as a parent, which is not all that uncommon, um, if you have concerns, you really need to get others involved to help you get a better understanding of what's going on and what recommendations can help you and your child. And what would you say to the mom or dad who has the feelings of blame? Like, like I must have done something. I didn't do something. And now my kid is at this point. Or, or how do you deal with the thoughts that I can't help my child? I, I have to have like an, a, an expert or a specialist, you know, help them because they're not talking to me like that. That can leave parents feeling really really helpless and hopeless as, as, as the, as the, you know, adult raising that child, what would you say to them to maybe encourage them today? I, I would say, first of all, the feelings that you're having are very normal, very common. You know, parents that I have worked with who, whose children are using substances when I would sit down with them and I would go over the history of their child's uh, uh, using of a substance, um, they would often say to me, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they, or if they did suspect something was going on, they would say, uh, I sort of knew something was going on, but I didn't think it was this bad. And then that leads to feelings of, of guilt. You know, what kind of a parent am I? How did I miss the warning signs? What did I do wrong? And they really start to, to beat themselves up, so to speak, about this. But, but those are all normal feelings that, that, that parents go through. And I think parents need to understand that you're going to have those feelings. You're going to question what went wrong. You're going to question what could you have done. Um, but really, the important thing is um, that there is a sense of hope that the sooner you intervene, the sooner you get help for your child and for yourself, the more likely that your child and you are going to come out on this successfully. So my message to parents is a message of hope. The sooner you know the warning signs, the sooner you intervene, the sooner you get assessments and help for your child and for yourself, the more likely you are to see progress being made fairly soon. And you and your child can come out on the other end successfully with this traumatic experience that you've gone through. So good. Well, Rick, again, thank you so much for taking the time to share these uh, beautiful thoughts of words, advice, encouragement. Um, and how can someone find and follow you? I would say go to the book's website, which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com, helptheaddictedchild.com. Um, you can read the blog articles on mental health. There's a blog article on how the pandemic changed teen substance abuse because it did change it somewhat in a, in a positive way. Um, if you want to order the book, Help the Addicted Child, there's a link that would uh, allow you to order it as either a Kindle or a paperback. And I would encourage every parent to read that book. It's only around 100 pages. Learn the warning signs. 
be better prepared and more confident that if you have to address this issue, you'll be able to do it. Um, keep the book on your bookshelf. It'll be a handy resource for you or for someone else. Um, there's also a link where you can contact me if you'd like to do so. So go to helptheaddictedchild.com. Well, Rick, again, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to having you back again on this show because I always learn something new that I can share with those who are, you know, in difficult uh, spaces right now. And we all don't even know when our next uh, difficult time period might come. We're all like a moment away from having the same problem that we see someone else go through. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's so difficult. I mean, it's, it's you know, we, we just don't know. And I just appreciate you being here as a resource, a help to guide parents and educators uh, with some of these really difficult areas to navigate right now. So thanks again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.